0: about 10 miles northeast of Reform, Alabama. If you're interested in finding more sermons, you can go to our website at zionpbc.com, that's z-i-o-n-p-b-c dot where you'll find all of our posted sermons, as well as a link to subscribe to our podcast. You can also subscribe to our website, which will update you every time a new sermon is posted. On this edition of the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast, Elder John Morgan Owens teaches us about biblical manhood. What does it mean to be a man? In the world's way of thinking, a real man is usually aggressive, violent, self-sufficient, and self-centered. But what does God say a real man is? Join us today as Brother John Morgan takes us through some examples from Scripture about how not to be a man and also ultimately how to be a man. Due to the length of the sermon, we will not have a song today, but we'll go right into the message.
1: Turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 16. I'm going to read a verse here for us, which will be our, our jumping off point into what we're going to talk about today. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, and he says this, this is the end of his letter to the Corinthians, and Paul says, watch ye stand fast in the faith quit you like men be strong essentially what he says here is he says watch stand fast in the faith and act like men Amen. and then he says let all your things be done with charity you notice it's a it really is a battle cry <laughs> he's saying to to be like a man to stand up to watch we're, we're at war but notice what he says, he says, let all your things be done with charity. That's a different sort of battle than other people would imagine that a man would fight. It's to let all your things be done with charity. And it got me to thinking about the, the biblical idea of manliness. What is a man? Okay, You've had a lot of debate lately of what is a woman, a lot of lot of questions posed to you know uh, potential supreme court justices that who were uh, there's a supreme court justice uh, on the bench now who could not answer what a woman is and of course that's you know you see that a lot and there's that documentary i don't know if anybody if y'all have y'all seen it by matt walsh on what is a woman um you know we we watched it um, it is a very simple question that you would hope somebody would be able to answer but in in today's society, where there is no truth anymore, right, everything is relative, that's a hard question to answer for some reason, right? Well, I'll ask you this question, what is a man? Because our adversary, let's just put it this way, our adversary knows what he's doing. And, and over generations, he has been creating this image of what a man is. It's this concept of the straw man argument, right? You can get up here and you can you could do some oratory argument and you could set up your, your opposition as this straw man, all their weaknesses, and then you could just dismantle them really easily, right? Well, that's essentially what he's done for manhood, okay? Over generations, uh, the culture war, if you will, has built up this idea of what a man is and so now, <laughs> You know, you've got people looking at that straw man, that caricature of what a man is, and saying, well, that's toxic masculinity. <laughs> and so now there's this whole entire movement against against men to the point where uh, now you know, you've got young men coming up, and they're seeing, wow, men are the bad guys, you know, because of this caricature of what a man is. And now you've got, uh, you know... Uh, Feminine behaviors being shown in men, you know, uh, you've got a lot of uh, young boys that are deciding, maybe I don't want to be a man. Maybe I'd rather be a woman. <laughs> and, and confusion, all because of generations of, of Satan slow playing his argument <laughs> of, of what a man is. And so you get, you get imagery in Hollywood of, of the John Waynes and the, and the James Bonds. You know, that's what a man is, right? That's a man a guy who 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 he doesn 't ask questions, he just comes in and he just you know he doesn't take prisoners, he just kills everybody he's the man right and and the and the James Bond guy right, who is so cool right he is so cool, he is so suave, right, but he is a womanizer right and so this is this is Satan has been building up this this is what manhood is, and then <laughs> Uh, you know, and, and everything you see in Hollywood is is objectifying women and 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 feeding into the lust of man. And then when and then when men go too far, uh, they get slapped on the wrists and they say, oh, no, hashtag me, too. Right. So it, there's a huge problem that men have to face. Now, I think we'll I think we'll address some of these things. I know I'm, I'm throwing out a lot right now, uh, you know, men should not be womanizers men should not uh be inappropriate with women okay i'm not saying that that the behaviors that men show are are only because of society okay everybody has to be responsible for their own actions but we also got we also gotta know this okay is that satan has been building this up and i believe manhood is under attack okay Amen. and so we're at a point now where uh, generations that are coming up including my generation uh, are, you know male privilege <laughs> and now you've got male guilt you know uh, people that are that are guilty for being a man because uh, because uh, men have had the privilege of being on top and all this sort of things and so now you've got as I said uh, across the board <laughs> men are showing forth more feminine behavior uh, you've got more uh, men coming out as as gay or whatever the case may be, and this is obviously very polarizing topics that we're talking about this morning. But I think it all stems back to the fact that that Satan has been drawing what a man is and saying this is what a man is, and now everybody's saying that's bad. <laughs> well, no duh, it's bad. Okay, but that never was what a man is to begin with. Okay, so let's look at what the Bible says a man is. All right, so. We've got the example in Scripture. You've got a lot of good, positive examples in Scripture. You've also got a lot of bad examples in Scripture, okay? Samson. All right, Sam, let's, let's go to the book of Judges. Uh, we'll look at uh, chapter 15. Now, judge, uh, uh, the judge, uh, Samson, he's sort of your, the, the man that uh, Satan has been promoting, okay? He's the John Wayne, he's the James Bond uh, he is the strongest man. Now, in, in Judges 15, and we'll see here in verse 14, he is, at this point, Samson has been bound. All right, they, they, have, they have strapped him up. He's, he's wrapped up in cords. And when he came unto Lehi, the Philistines shouted against him, and the Spirit of the Lord came mightily upon him, and the cords that were upon his arms became as flax that was burnt with fire and his hands loose from, off, uh, loose from off his hands. The band's loose from off his hands. And he found a new jawbone of an ass and put forth his hand and took it and slew a thousand men therewith. Okay, this is, this is the man. That's, that's what a man is, right? A guy who, who you bind him with cords and then he just rips out. And then he, he goes and he, he finds, he doesn't find a sword he finds a, a bone, a jawbone of a donkey, and then he takes it and he kills a thousand people with it. Now that's, that's like Superman right there. You know, um, I don't re- I'm not recommending this movie, okay, uh, John Wick, because it's horrible, okay. But he's sort of like he's the man, okay? He's the guy who goes in and there's all these assassins trying to kill him, and he kills people with pencils and and with guns, and I mean he is just there's just bodies laying in the floor when he leaves the room, right? That's Samson. He doesn't he doesn't get a he doesn't get a sword, he doesn't get a gun, he gets a jawbone of a donkey and kills a thousand people. Now that's a man, right? (laughs) Well no, I, I would argue that is not a man. Okay, if that's what it takes to be a man, then you know that that's easy. Okay, I don't, I don't, I don't mean to say that I could take a jawbone of a donkey and kill a thousand people. All right, you know, you know, if I had the element of surprise, I might could get one. All right, but you know that just doing that doesn't make you a man. Okay, because we got a lot of people in history that were awful, terrible people, all right, that that just by show of force could do mighty things. That doesn't make you a man, okay? You know, I, I deal with people, we'll talk about this a little later. Brother Chris has dealt with people as a prosecutor. I deal with people uh, uh, on a daily basis who are accused of domestic violence where, where they have shown their force towards someone in their household. Usually they're their wife or their girlfriend or something like that. You know, so if show of force makes you a man, you know, I, I push back against that, okay? Because to me, showing force is the easy part of, of being a man, okay? You want to tell me that an abuser is a man. No, that's not a man. That's a coward, okay? So to be a man, it takes a little more than just strong arms and and a uh, tendency to violence, okay that may be necessary at times, okay, but being a man something better than that. think about all of the all of the um the womanizing that Samson did he sees he sees the woman against what was what was commanded to them. he sees somebody out there of the world, <laughs> somebody who was uh, uh you know and a worshiper of some other god, and he says that's the woman I want. And then he gets that woman and then all sorts of other things happen and then, you know, you kind of, you rejoin Samson a little later and then, uh, you know, after he is, you know, he's just down in the city and uh, he, he goes and, and sleeps with the lady of the streets, you know. now we're shooting it straight this morning, okay. Of course, then right after that, after in the middle of the night, he gets up and he, he, uh, he tears the gates of the city off and carries it on his back up the hill. I mean, that's a man, right? No. (laughs) Because then later, he would continue womanizing and he would be with Delilah. And of course, y'all know the end of that story, right? So, you know, there are consequences for certain behavior, right? Obviously, he had a weakness there that he did not address. He may have been the strongest person physically that ever walked this planet, but he was weak, man. He was weak. It it ended up being that, that... a, a woman uh, would conquer him, would defeat him because of his weakness. So, as, as Gillette says, is that really the best a man can get? <laughs> you know, no. No, Samson is not the best that a man can get. Right. All right, so what does a man do? This is just sort of a compilation based on Scripture. We'll talk about what a man does First. And then we'll talk about how they do it at the end. But what a man does, first off, a man protects, Amen. okay? A man is a protector. This is where, uh, you know, obviously we know bi- biologically that men are more aggressive than females, okay? Uh, this is where some of that comes in, okay? Uh, there may be times where uh, battle or show of force is necessary in, in protecting. Um if you go look at Judges chapter three, <clears throat> got another example of a, of a man, uh, another sort of uh, superhero, if you will. Talk about a James Bond. This guy, his name is Ehud. Not the most appealing name ever, I grant you, but his name is Ehud, and he he uh, as as what we can tell, he could use. He was ambidextrous. Maybe favored his left hand a little bit, which was unusual, you know, uh, of the tribe of Benjamin. Ben, the Benjamites were known for being uh, skilled at warfare and, and usually left-handed. It was just sort of a, one of those things. So he goes in to, to uh, the king here that was conquering them, that, that was reigning over them. Remember, the book of Judges is a dark, is a dark time. It's, it's a constant cycle of them being uh, under the foot of some ruler. That is oppressing them, and then God hearing their cry and giving them a judge. Ehud was one of those judges, so, uh, a man that stepped up to the plate and protected. Right, so he slips in, uh, feigning as if he's going to give this king some some gift or some present. He's got a he's got a knife strapped to his inside of his thigh, and so uh, the the king, uh, to be delicate, uh, was a large man. He's a uh, as you see, uh, he, was a, he wasn't just large, he was a fat man, as it says. And so Ehud gets in there, no guards in there. And so then Ehud takes the sword and he, and he stabs him, he kills the king, leaves him in there. The guards don't think anything because the door to his bathroom is shut. So they just leave him there. And then my, meanwhile, Ehud runs up, blows the horn, and, and prepares everybody to battle. And they go and they, they take back the fort. I mean, it's awesome stuff, Right. That is that is the capability of man to protect, to protect the people. And then at the end of that, uh, verse 31, And after him was Shamgar, the son of Anath, which slew of the Philistines 600 men with an ox goad. And he also delivered Israel. All right, so this is another judge. He only gets one verse. It sounds like an interesting man. I don't know why he got into that situation that he that the ox goad was his best option but nonetheless he protected <laughs> just like Samson did earlier he he grabbed what he had at his disposal and he protected all right now that's that's some interesting manly stuff right let's go to first chronicles we'll read about some others first chronicles chapter 11 and um, and verse 10 these also are the chief of the mighty men whom David had, who strengthened themselves with him and his kingdom, and with all Israel to make him king, according to the word of the Lord concerning Israel. And this is the number of the mighty men whom David had. Joshabim, uh, a hachmonite, the chief of the captains. He lifted up his spear against 300, slain by him at one time. You know, it's sad that we've already... We've already this guy took a spear and killed 300 people. And at this point, we're like, big whoop, right? <laughs> you know, we just had a guy kill 1,000 people with, with a jawbone, and then some guy, he killed like 600 with an ox goat. I mean, we're you know, and then this guy only kills 300. You know, you realize this is still some pretty amazing stuff. And then, uh, and after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo. Now, look, if you're, if you're the son of Dodo, you got to be a tough dude, all right? You really do. If your father's name is Dodo, you've got to be tough. And so he was the uh, Ewhite, the uh, who was one of the three mighties. He was with David at Pastimim, and there the Philistines were gathered together to battle, where was a parcel of ground full of barley, and the people fled from before the Philistines. And they set themselves in the midst of that parcel and delivered it, and slew the Philistines, and the Lord saved them by a great deliverance. This, these men, this guy, the son of Dodo, he gets there and, and, and protects this field of barley from the Philistines. Everybody else was running away, and he held his ground. That's some, that's some mighty manly stuff, right, protecting. And look, you know, as, as men, you may be called on to do that. Now, we have been uh, blessed, uh, pampered, uh, to, to be in a country where we have not had to do that. We have not had to you know as in other countries and other places in the world where where uh the violence and the fighting shows up at their door at their doorstep you know and and they have to defend their families um, you know there may come time for that and there there it may happen but that that is a part of being a man okay that is that is that is why you have that that you're physically stronger that's why you have uh, more aggressive tendencies okay John chapter 18 I, I want you to see this that and each one of these examples of what a man is you know we've got examples in Scripture of people who did it right and people who did it wrong ultimately Jesus Christ is the example of, of what a man is okay now Jesus is so perfect that he can be the perfect example of what a man is, and also he's the example of, of, of what a woman should be like. And Now, that's interesting, but we see that in the book of Ephesians where, he, where Jesus is the example of how, how a husband should be the head of the house, but he's also the example of how, how the woman should be submissive and how he submits to his, own, his, his father's authority. That's right. But here, John chapter 18... And verse 6, they came to, to, to get Jesus. They came to capture Jesus in the garden. And as soon then as he had said unto them, I am he, uh, they went backward and fell to the ground. We remember this. They come and they ask for him. He says, I am he. And then they, he blows them back. Uh, then asked he them again, whom seek ye? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus answered, I have told you that I am he. If therefore ye seek me, let these go their way. All right, so here is Jesus, your Savior. And he is confronted with, with the thing, with the time that he has volunteered for. Okay, This is what he came to this earth for, was to be captured, was to go and to die for our sins. But even in the midst of all of that, okay, even in the midst of that, of that crazy time, he has the presence of mind to say take me and save them right your savior is a protector through and through okay that is that is who he is of course we see that not only in that physical example they took jesus and they let everybody else go but but you also know that he protects you every day right he protects you in the storms of life Ultimately, he protected us eternally, right? We know that he died on the cross for us, but we also have this thing called eternal security, right? You know that if Jesus died for you, that he will protect you till the end, right? But being a protector is not just about physical protection. It's not just about protecting people from an intruder coming into your home, okay? You ought to be ready for that, all right? You, you, need, to, you need to, as a man... <laughs> Uh, you need to be ready for that. You need to protect as best you can. You're going, you're taking your family on a trip, you're doing other places, you, you need to be the one. You're, you're the one who's in charge of security, right? You need to be thinking about that. But it's not just about that. Pro- being a protector is also about protecting other people's purity. Now this is something, you you know, David, man, he, what a man. He's a great example, he pops up in several of these. But what about Bathsheba, right? What about as he he looked down, he should have been at battle, but he wasn't, and he looks down and he sees that woman. What does he do? Is he protecting her? No, he is acting selfishly. Did he protect Uriah, his friend? You know, one of those mighty men, uh, we were about to read it through that list of mighty men that did all these valorous acts, or Uriah was one of them. Essentially, uh, you know, Apart from God's blessings, obviously, Uriah, David's kingdom was built on Uriah's shoulders and the blood that was shed at his hands. And here he is, is he protecting Uriah when he takes his wife when Uriah's not there? When he takes his wife at all, when he looks at his wife? No, that's not being a protector. You see, it's not just about you being strong, it's about you doing the right thing. All right, that's what a protector is. And so there goes, there goes that concept of James Bond. Right. <laughs> there goes that concept of the womanizer right. that Hollywood has built up. That's what a man is. That is not what a man is. Amen. You can see from David's life the consequences of, of that one mistake he made. And also, I touched on this earlier, but are you protecting? It? Is an abuser, <laughs> are they protecting? No, no they are not. They what they're what they're doing right is they are they are taking a, a physical advantage that's been given to them and they are taking advantage of somebody weaker. That's what domestic violence is. Whether it's on a child, whether it's on uh, a spouse or a girlfriend, whatever the case may be. Um, I I don't have a lot of patience for it when, and and prosecuting. You know, and and the sad thing is that you have you have these, these poor women that have, that have maybe they were abused as a child, maybe now they're in a relationship and they're abused, and, and, they'll, and I'll talk with them, you know, and, and they'll be telling me, well, all he really did was he just hit me a couple times in the face. You know, he just did this. And I have to remind them that is not normal, okay? I don't care that he, he didn't, wow, wow, he didn't put a gun to your head. Wow, he didn't hold a knife to your neck. If he hits you, he is a coward, okay? He is not being a protector. Right. But now, it's not just about physical. <laughs> you know, if you've got somebody or, or if you have the tendency to abuse emotionally or verbally, you're not being a protector. Right. Now, look, I, you know, um, none of us are going to live up to what, this, what a man should be, okay? Right. This is the ideal, okay? None of we're all going to fall short. You want to compare yourself to Jesus, you better get ready because you're going to fall short. <laughs> but I can, we can say this of, of a truth, okay? If you are not guarding other people's purity, if you're not uh, protecting the weaker, even, even from yourself, you are not being a protector, Amen. okay? And therefore, you are not being a man. Okay, a man provides. Okay, we see this in 1 uh, Timothy chapter 5. 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8. It says, it says this, But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. You notice that he's, he's saying his family, he, him. This is talking about a man, okay? It's ultimately the responsibility of the man to provide. Um, Of course, we know this. Jesus provides for us. (laughs) He's our example. He provides for us on a daily basis. Um, Think about this. There was a time when Jesus received the news that John the Baptist, his friend, had been beheaded. Now, of course, we know that, that Jesus, as God, already knew. But the news gets to him, and what is the first thing that Jesus does? He goes off to the mountain, off to the wilderness on his own. He wants to be alone, he wants to talk with God. It hurt him deeply. He was in hurt that his friend had been killed. Now, you know, Jesus knows that John the Baptist and all of us are going to be resurrected, but it hurts in the meantime. So he goes off alone, but what happens? Thousands of people follow him in the wilderness. Um, and, they, and they followed him. To, they, they ignored their hunger and their needs, and they just followed Jesus. And so they get out there in the wilderness, and they're hungry, and what did Jesus do? Did he say, I don't have time for you. I'm in grief. I don't have time to take care of you. No, Jesus provided, okay? It, it, see, it's, it's irrelevant about the problems and the things that go are going on with you, okay? It's irrelevant how stressed you are. It's irrelevant how bad you hurt or, or how, how bad your back or your head or whatever hurts. You have to provide, Amen. and Jesus did. Um, ultimately, of course, we know that, that Jesus provided himself as a lamb, as a Abraham said, God will provide himself a lamb. Jesus provided. <laughs> he provided himself. Go, go with me to 1 Peter. 1 Peter, and we'll look at chapter 3. See, providing, we, we often think of a, of a provider as someone who provides money, food, resources, that sort of thing. And yes, that is the primary application. But that's not all that a provider is, Okay. As you see in 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 7, it says this, Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them, speaking of your wives, according to knowledge, giving honor unto the wife, as unto the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. God gives you this commandment. And he says you need to dwell with your wives according to knowledge, treating them as the weaker vessel. Now we've already talked about this in sort of the physical aspect of it. Weaker, uh, yes. Women uh, biologically, on average, are weaker. I've, I've seen I've seen some uh, women in my time that are not weaker than me. Okay, that are stronger than me, and that makes me feel a little puny. But <laughs> on average, men are stronger. But that's not what what we're really talking about here we're talking about your your wife is a a delicate a fragile a valuable vase okay Amen. and so if you think that because you're stronger that makes you better or because you're the head of the house that you're better you're not under- you're not dwelling with them according to knowledge because Y'all, y'all know me and y'all know my wife, and you know that she is superior to me. We know that she's better than me. she's, she's better looking than me for sure, but she is sweeter and kinder and, and more gracious. Right? So you need to understand that just because you're the head, just because you may be stronger, it does not mean that you're better. But really what we're talking about here, when he says, "Dwell with them according to knowledge, you've got other things that you're providing, other than money other than food on the table, if, if that's all you're doing, then, then great. I mean, even, you know, even a, a numbskull can do that, okay? Even some, even, you know, you've got people out there in the world that are doing that left and right, that are, that are, that are paying child support and they're doing that. It means, it means providing time. <laughs> it means providing those other things that, that your family is in need of. And we've talked about this before that means doing some things that we're not necessarily good at okay like listening like taking the time to play with the kids or to listen whatever the case may be because brother Chris has said this at at weddings many times uh, is that at the end of the day she doesn't need your stuff right she needs you (laughs) she needs your time um, and so that's what a provider is. All right, somebody who is able, as Jesus did many times when he took the time. Look, he's, he's out there healing people. He's healing lepers. He's, he's bringing dead people back to life. He's healing sick people. And what does he do? He takes the time to play with the little children, right? <laughs> he takes the time to listen to that, that, that woman with the issue of blood as she tells him all the truth. You you may be the breadwinner, you may be the big guy at the office at work, you may be the hot shot, whatever the case may be. But but when when you get to the home, you are the servant providing for everybody. All right, so a man protects, a man provides, a man leads. All right, so we know that that as God set up the order that a man is the head of the house, even as Christ is the head of the church. Okay, so we have, again, Christ is our example. He is our model uh, that we're not going to live up to. But if you're not striving to live up to it, then you're failing, okay? The book of Joshua, you read an example of someone who was the head of his house. Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. Now Joshua was a great leader in many respects. You know, after, after Moses, Moses was a strong leader, at least from his own uh, mouth. He wasn't necessarily a very good orator, but nonetheless, people followed him. And then Joshua takes over, and Joshua led them into battle, man. I mean, he was a great leader. And he says this in Joshua chapter 24 and verse 14. He says, "...now therefore fear the Lord, and serve Him in sincerity and in truth." And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Okay. He, He he as the head of his house, he said, This is this is the trajectory of my house is that we will serve the Lord as a, as a leader. Now, some people have, have better uh, leadership qualities than others. But the, the biblical edict, if you will, is that you are to lead your house. That means that you need to be the initiator, okay? <laughs> just as Joshua was in those battles, just as, as a lot of other great men in Scripture, they initiated i gotta, I got to share this with you. First Chronicles, again, I can read this for you. You don't have to turn there. And, and chapter 11, again, looking at those mighty men, talking about some people that were initiators, that showed initiative, if you will. and, and First Chronicles chapter 11, verse 15, now, now three of the thirty captains went down to the rock to David into the cave of Adullam, and the host of the Philistines encamped in the valley of Rephim, And David was then in the hold, and the Philistines' garrison was then at Bethlehem. And David longed and said, "'Oh, that one would give me drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem that is at the gate.' And the three break through the host of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and took it and brought it to David. But David would not drink of it, but poured it out to the Lord and said, "'My God forbid it me.'" that I should do this thing, shall I drink the blood of these men that have put their lives in jeopardy? For with the jeopardy of their lives they brought it, therefore he would not drink it. These, uh, these things did these three mightiest. you got these mighty men who showed the initiative. They, they heard their friend and their, their captain say, just in passing, man, I wish I could drink out of the well of Bethlehem. That was his hometown. And the hometown had been taken over by the Philistines. They had converted his hometown and the place where Jesus would be born. They converted it into a garrison, a stronghold of the bad guys. Okay. And so these three alone, they break through the line there. They break through the garrison and they get in there to the well. I'm I'm sure the, the Philistines were probably freaking out. You know, when they saw these three men... You know, probably just breaking through. I don't know if they, if they had to fight, but they break through and all they do is they dip the water out of the well and they, they hightel it out. You know, they're probably thinking, man, we're not, we're not dealing with normal people here, right? Uh, but these people showed initiative, okay? Now, uh, this uh, part of you, this instinct of you to get things done and, and initiating uh, can get you in trouble sometimes, Okay? Because that's not always what your family requires of you, is to fix it or to do it or to get things done. But ultimately, uh, that part of you I believe is a gift that God has given Amen. you. Okay, when you use it correctly, it's a blessing. Uh, what you need to do is you need to channel that. Fix it. I want to. I got. I got to go do something. I'm going to fix it. Channel that energy and into, into keeping your family moving forward. That's ultimately. Um, the onus is on the head, on the, on the, the, the captain. Our, our requirement and what the Lord expects of us is to keep our family from, uh, from getting tossed to and fro and lost in the storm, but to keep pushing through it, right? To keep moving forward, to set goals and to, and to strive to make them. Engage with the problems. Don't run from them. That's, a, that's an instinct that I have. Uh, when things get tough, I'm a runner, okay? I, I like to just run away. <laughs> but but as, a, as a man, as a husband, as a father, I don't have that luxury anymore, okay? I have got to, to, to show initiative and to face those problems, okay? Or they're just going to get worse. Right. You know, at the end of the day, when your family's in the storm and, and you can't quite see the direction to go and you feel like you're a ship just spinning in circles, Ultimately, it's, it's up to you. God has put that on you to lead, right? To set the course and to uh, keep the family moving forward toward God, okay? So if, there's a, if there is a problem going there, a failure in that department, <laughs> you ultimately, you know it's you. And along those lines, a man takes responsibility. Now, this is something that people have struggled with. Adam, our very first man, all right? Who had, who had the best. He was, apart from Jesus, obviously, he was uh, the best a man can get. He was there in the garden, and then he fell. And what did he do? You know, remember, God gave the commandment to Adam. He gave the commandment to man. And what did Adam do when he was confronted with the problem? He said, it was the woman. It was the woman that you gave me. Wow, all right, bold, okay? Not only is he trying to push off the blame off to the woman, he's also trying to push off the blame to God. He said, it's the woman that you gave me. Now, at the end of the day, uh, as the head of the house, you, know, you, want, you want the big response, you, you want that big title, the, the, the man of the house. You want to be the head of the house. There, along with that comes the responsibility. Okay, that means that if anything goes south, anything goes south in your home, who's who's to blame? It's you. Okay, it's me. Anything goes wrong in my house, as as Joshua, you know, Joshua declared for his house, we are going to follow God. You know, if that doesn't happen, it's on you Amen. as the as the man. David didn't take responsibility for his. His actions until he was confronted with it. Of course, we know Christ took responsibility. <laughs> you, as his children, you, as his family, as he is the head of the house, he is the head of the family, and what did he do? He, he didn't say, Well, you, you sinned, it's your, it's your fault. You know, it's too bad. You're the one that messed up. What did he do? He said, You sinned, and I'll take the blame. That's what he did for us. Now, if, if my head, if the head of my house will do that for me, then, then can't, I, can't I do that for my family? Now, that's the hard part. A part of, a part of taking responsibility, a part of being the head is being a shield uh, for the rest of your family. Be, being a layer of insulation between your sweet family and the harshness of this world. That's not something that I was prepared for as a, a becoming a father. this I knew that this world was messed up and broken. But I was not prepared for being a shield against that coming into my home. But that's what a man is, right? Amen. Uh, uh, that means that I've got to step up to the plate. <laughs> when this world is wicked and sinful and it's coming after us, it's up to me. It's on my head. The, the, God's not going to come and require it of Meredith's head. You know, what's the deal with your family, Meredith? No, he's going to come to me, right? He's going to ask me what's the problem with my family. That's what it means to be a man. I give you this example. When I was. When I was little, not too much older than than Cal, my father, who was a dairy farmer, (laughs) um, that was what he knew, that's how he was providing for us. But the market was not good, (laughs) the feed prices were too high, we weren't making money. He had to make the decision uh, to sell out the farm, all right? And so what did that mean? That meant (laughs) that he did not have a job, and so what did he do? He went and he worked at the at the uh, the co-op. It wasn't the Tri County Co-op. It was the, the other one there um, in Aliceville beside where the Mexican place is now, where Ward's was next to that, and was essentially a clerk at a gas station. And not to not to toot his horn or brag on him, uh, although he deserves it. Um, he insulated me. He took responsibility, and so. As a little boy, I didn't feel anything was wrong. But now as a, as a man, as I'm trying to provide for my family, I realize that's a big deal. That would be a scary, scary time. But he was a shield to me. A layer of insulation between me and the harsh world. That's what a man is. Let's go to the book of Isaiah. I'm I'm running out of time. The book of Isaiah chapter 6, we'll look at the next thing that a man is or a man does. A man steps up. Isaiah chapter 6, we'll look at verse 8. Also, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? This is talking about the redemption of his people. (laughs) There's a problem. Who shall I send? And who will go for us? Then said I, here am I, send me. That is your Savior as the example of a man stepping up. That's what, man, that's what men do, okay? You step up. Now, if you, if you haven't been doing that, then you need to. You need to step up. David is a good example of that. and, and the Valley of Eli, all the, all the men of war were too scared to step up. And David, this boy, he sees that there's, there's a problem. There's a, there's a giant out there who is defying god nobody else is going to step up what does a man do it doesn't it doesn't matter if he's prepared for it or not you've got to step up that's what jesus did jesus said send me i'll go i'll do it david said send me i'll do it <laughs> i don't need your armor i'll go and i'll do it and of course the lord provided all right We are really running out of time. Uh, Another thing that we don't often think of that a man is or a man should be, a man should reflect. Okay, now we've looked at all these other things, and you're like, well, that's obvious. A man is a protector. A man is a provider. But a man should be a reflector. You should reflect. Isaiah 46 and verse 8 says this. He says, Remember this and show yourselves men. Bring it again to mind, O you transgressors. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. It's a challenge. He says, be man and remember. (laughs) He's asking the people there to step up, to be a man, to reflect on the past, on God's deliverances in the past. You know, you need to be doing this for your home and for yourself. You need to be reflecting on the ways that God has provided in the past. The way that God has maybe on your past failures, okay? And how and and the lessons you learn from those. Because it's ultimately up to you to to do the best you can to steer your family away from problems maybe you faced in the past, but also to give hope, to 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 remind everybody. You remember God provided us this time. He'll provide again. So a man should reflect. And then the last thing is a man sacrifices. Of course, you see this uh, with Jesus Christ. Uh, We'll go to the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5 and verse 25, it says, Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church. Christ is our example of love But also this, and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. That he might present it to himself, a glorious church not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. He says you are to love your wives and you are to be sacrificial. Just as Christ is our example, he loved you so much that he sacrificed for you. That he ultimately gave himself for you. Now, as I said, Brother Chris mentions this in weddings. You know, that's, that is a, a romantic, heroic thought, right? To lay down your life. You're going you're gonna to give up your life. And if required to do so, you need to be the first in line. But dying is the easy part, okay? It's living. That's, that's where you're the man, okay? <laughs> is, is sacrificing your life daily. You want to to be a man or you want to know what a man is? Here's here's what a man is. Ultimately, your dreams are the first ones to be sacrificed. My dreams and my my visions of what I want are the first ones on the chopping block. It also means this. to, to, To sacrifice, it means you become what you have to be for your family. If, if, that means if you have to be a soldier, you're a soldier. If you're a warrior, you're a warrior. That means if, if you are uh, if you happen to be the spider slayer, you're the spider slayer. okay? Whatever is required of you, <laughs> that's what sacrificing is, okay is wh- what your family needs at that time. If, if your family needs a a kind and gentle therapist, then you're a kind and gentle therapist. If your family needs Uh, An authoritarian, that's what you are. If your family needs someone to take out the trash, then you're the trash man. You are the first one to sacrifice. You ought to be. Now, if you do that right, then you're going to make your wife's job of submitting to you a lot easier. right? It it is to be a leader and and to do these sorts of things that we're supposed to do is going to inspire people to want to follow you. Obviously, we know Christ is our example of all of these, and we've run out of time. So I won't go into how you're supposed to be. Uh, Titus 2 goes into that as to how you ought to be as a man. These other things are really things that you're doing, protecting, providing, that you are a leader, that you take responsibility along with that, that you step up and that you reflect and that you sacrifice. And then Titus 2 goes into your mannerisms and how you go about doing those things. Uh, And we might can talk about that later. Hope that's encouragement to you. Thank you
0: for joining us today on the Zion Primitive Baptist Church podcast. I hope the message has been uplifting and beneficial to you and that the Lord will continue to bless you to grow in grace and knowledge of the truth. Join us again tomorrow for another message of God's sovereign grace. If you would like to subscribe to our website, please go to www.zionpbc.com and sign up for email updates. If you have any questions, please feel free to contact the church at zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. That's zionpbc1847 at gmail.com. Or you can email me directly at jchrismacool at gmail.com.